Hey, this week's Parsha is Parsha Spiracious, and I'm looking forward to restarting these Divrei Torah. I'm going to ask three questions, and then I'm going to answer those three questions with a Yisod. I got this uh, structure idea of Divrei Torah from Rabbi Leibowitz. I think it's a really easy way to re-say Divrei Torah and just simply repeat them over in a very easy manner. The three questions that I came up with after listening to some Divrei Torah on Yu Torah, going through the Haftorah and the Parsha, were as follows. There are two Gemaras I'm going to quote. The first Gemara is in Baba Kama, and the second Gemara is in Chulam. The Gemara in Baba Kama, on Daf 16a, or Tazayin Amad Aleph, says that after a person dies, his back becomes like a snake after seven years if he does not say the bracha of modim. Weird Gemara. Again, someone dies, they never said modim, let's say, in their life, the bracha of modim, and they never bent their back over during modim to thank Hashem for all the brachas that he's given them. When they die, their spinal cord becomes a snake. Two questions on this Gemara. The first question is very simple. What's the connection to the snake? Why is my spinal cord becoming a snake? Why doesn't it become a rat? Why doesn't it become an ant? I don't know. Why doesn't it become any other animal? What is the connection to the snake? The second question I had on this Gemara was, what is the connection to seven years? Why after seven years? Why not after 10 years? Why not after 100 years? Why not after three days? Why not after the body decomposes after a year? What's the connection specifically to seven years? The next Gemara is in Chulin, on Daf Samech Amad Aleph. After creating the moon and the sun, the moon said to Hashem, there can't be two crowns of light. So make me bigger. Hashem then reduced the moon to make it smaller due to this question of the fact that it couldn't share light with the sun and therefore reduced the moon to a smaller size and the sun became the main light, whereas the moon just circled around the earth and reflected that light for the nighttime. This sounds like a really nice Gemara when we listen to it, but in reality, there's a very obvious question standing out here. Why would the moon ask such a question? The moon is just a floating rock. It knows that it's not as great as the sun. It's like a commoner saying, God, why did you make two kings, me and the king? Why would you ask that? You're just a commoner. You're not the king. How could you ask that question? The moon is asking a question of, why are there two kings of light? But in reality, the moon was always just a floating big rock. Maybe it was a bigger rock that reflected more light. But in the end, it was only floating rock. It couldn't produce any of its own independent light. Whereas the sun reflects its own independent light. It produces its own independent light and does not reflect light. Whereas the moon can only reflect light that the sun gives it. How would the moon then go and ask such a silly question? Why are there two kings? It's obvious there aren't two kings. The sun is clearly king over you. You just reflect the light of the sun. Again, to repeat the three questions. Number one, 
In the Gemara and Baba Kama on 16a, we said that your back becomes a snake. What's the connection to becoming a snake specifically? The Gemara there also said, only after seven years does your back become a snake. Why after seven years? What is the connection to this number seven? And the third question finally is, the moon never produced its own light. Why is it asking a silly question such as that there are two kings in the sky? Reduce one of us. And so Hashem reduces the moon, not the sun. Why would it ask a silly question like this if it never could produce its own light in the first place? The Torah that we just read on Simcha's Torah, after concluding Bracious, is not the same Torah as this week. The Torah for this week comes from Yeshayahu, but I wanted to quote the Torah that came from Simcha's Torah. It's Yehoshua Perak Aleph. I think the Torah sheds a lot of light on these three answers. The first Perak of Yehoshua quotes the name Moshe in almost every single Pasuk. It's unbelievable to see. It's almost as if the Torah is having an issue of letting go of this leader, Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara in Baba Basra on 75a, Ayin Hay, Amad Aleph, says that Yoshua was like the moon in comparison to Moshe, who is like the sun. Yoshua really only reflected the light of Moshe in that Moshe was a superior leader and that Moshe could produce his own independent light in a certain sense, whereas Yoshua was more of a lesser leader who was more of a follower of Moshe who then became the leader of Kalal Yisrael and reflected that light that Moshe previously reflected onto the previous generation. Yoshua goes on to become a prominent leader of Kalal Yisrael, arguably one of the best leaders of Kalal Yisrael, maybe even as great as Moshe Rabbeinu in a certain sense. Yoshua did not take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, but he did bring them into Eretz Yisrael, their final destination for the rest of history. The question has to be asked, how did Yoshua have such a successful career, almost as successful as Moshe Rabbeinu? If he wasn't as powerful as Moshe Rabbeinu, it would have made more sense for Moshe Rabbeinu to bring the Jews in. The answer is the answer for all three of our questions also. Yoshua recognized that Moshe Rabbeinu was the sun. He recognized that he was the moon. The recognition of the fact that he was not as great as Moshe Rabbeinu was the key to his success. The recognition that I am not as great as someone else or that I have shortcomings was the reason for his success. He goes on to conquer the land of Israel in seven years. He splits up the land after another seven years, and then he dies in a resting place on Har Ephraim. The Jews then don't sin for generations after that until finally we get into the period of Shoftim where the Jews start to sin. But it seems that Yoshua's generation was superb in their Midos and in their Shmiras Hamitzvos, whereas we don't necessarily say the same thing about Moshe's generation. It's interesting to see that Yoshua's generation seems to be almost on a higher level than that of Moshe Rabbeinu's generation. I don't know if this is completely true, but it is possible, I believe, that Yoshua may have been a more successful leader in a certain sense. Although he was not as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, he may have led a more successful campaign and more successful leadership role in the generation 
due to the recognition that he wasn't as great as his previous leader, Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara in Sota tells us that the snake in this week's Parsha was made the king of animals, but wanted more, just like the moon. It wanted not only to be the king of animals, but to be the king of man as well. And so what did it do? It brought Adam and Chava to sin. It understood that it didn't have the cognitive abilities of Adam and Chava. It wasn't made from the direct mouth of Hashem like man was. But it wanted to have that power, the cognitive ability of man. And so it brings man to sin. The snake is the epitome and the complete opposite of what Yahushua was. It was the moon, essentially. It wanted more power. It understood that it was only a rock. It understood it couldn't produce its own light, yet it wanted to, and so it pretended that it was able to. The snake's sin lies in the lack of recognition of his own self-ability. His ability that he is a leader, but he's not as great of a leader as man. Man is the conqueror of this world, whereas you are only the conqueror of beasts. Understand that you are not as great as man and you will have a successful leadership in this world, Hashem says to the snake. But because the snake fails to have this recognition that it is only the leader of animals, it goes and sins with Adam and Chava in thinking that it can conquer man as well. Shabbos follows the sin of Adam and Chava. Shabbos is a very interesting creation. There are many types of Shabbos. One type of Shabbos is the Shabbos that we celebrate on the seventh day. That is the day in which Hashem rested from creating all things. Another type of Shabbos we have is called Shemitah. It is similar to that of Shabbos. We let the land rest and lay fallow. It is the same type of idea as Shabbos, yet instead of one day, it lasts for an entire year of the seventh year. The same numerical value as Shabbos, the number seven. The goal of Shabbos and the goal of Shemitah is recognition that you are not the creator. Shabbos is there to stop you from creating. That is what the 39 malachos are. You're not allowed to build. You're not allowed to create fires. You're not allowed to carry things from one domain to another domain in the accomplishment of creation. Creation is the lack of recognition or can lead to the lack of recognition that you are only human. You are not God. That's why God creates Shemitah. Shemitah tells us you're not allowed to work your land. You think you're a God over this land, but you're not. That's where Adam's sin laid. Don't repeat that sin. Shabbos is here to recognize me. I am the sole creator of everything. Don't think that you are the creator. Therefore, refrain from creation. I'm going to repeat the three questions and repeat how I answered those three questions. The first question was, why the snake? Why does the snake become your back when you die if you don't say modem in davening? The Gemara also said that happens after seven years. Why specifically seven years? What's the connection to seven years? 
And the third question was the Gemara Chulin on Daf Samech Aleph, which said that the moon was reduced because it said that there can't be two crowns in the sky, two kings in the sky for light. The snake is the punishment for the lack of modem because the snake is the epitome of someone who could not recognize who and what he was. It was unable to recognize, which is the same word as moda, the recognition of who and what you have, the recognition of that everything comes from God. The snake lacked that mida and therefore came to sin. The second question was, why after seven years? Seven years is how we have that exact recognition of God. Through Shabbos and through Shemitah, we are able to recognize God as the creator by stopping and ceasing from creation. That ability brings us to a recognition of God, and that is the purpose of seven years in the Gemara. Seven years is a representation of Shemitah and Shabbos. Had you just done Shabbos and Shemitah correctly, you would have had Moda. You would have been Moda to God as the creator of the world. The third question is, why is the moon asking such a silly question? It can't even produce its own light. It is only reflecting light given from the sun. The moon made the same mistake as the snake and couldn't recognize the fact that it was only reflecting light. It was only a reflection of the greater light of the sun. I believe the message that comes from these three questions and the Yisod answering these three questions is that modem, recognition, of our abilities and where those abilities come from is the key to success. In the army now, I can see that extremely clearly. I have a commander who sometimes believes that he is the commander of the commander. It's called a mem-mem, the mifaked machaka. He's only a mifaked kita though. He will oftentimes tell us to do things that really only my commander's commander can do He's not allowed to be telling us to do these things, yet he nevertheless does. This is because he has a lack of recognition of who he really is. He thinks, or at least wants to believe, that he is the mem-mem, the mifakad machlaka, whereas he only is a mifakad kita. Now, this has brought him down on many occasions. On many occasions, he will tell people to do certain things, and people will simply not listen. He has almost lost all of his power and no one will listen to him at this point after eight months of training. This is because he doesn't understand where his power comes from. He's only reflecting the power of a greater source, the Mifakhed Machlaka. Had he just recognized this and not commanded us to do things that he isn't supposed to command us to, there would be a greater recognition for him as our commander. Because of that lack of ability and lack of recognition that he has, I believe that he's fallen in the rankings of respect. My other commander, my personal commander, is actually someone that people listen to. He does not tell us to do things that only our mem-mem or mifakat machlaka can tell us to do. He only tells us things that he is allowed to tell us to do. He actually has complete respect from the entire machlaka, even after eight months. People listen when he talks. He doesn't scream, he doesn't yell, he knows his abilities, and he knows his weaknesses. This makes him, I believe, a superior commander, and I believe that he will go places in the army. My other commander, I do not think, will be going places in the army. I think the thing we can learn from this is that 
recognition of one's abilities and recognitions of who and what their power is at the time creates a formulation of success. Don't think that you are the sun creating its own independent light when you are only the moon and a rock reflecting the sun's light. Have a great job.